Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, we discuss demon lords, ancient gods, and the mysterious mythology of the Dune series. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. And I'm Bruce. And we're back at it once again. It's always a pleasure. Yes, we are. To, always uh, a pleasure. See you or at least hear you again, Bruce. <laughs> Welcome. Likewise. Likewise, my friend. <laughs> and uh, I, we're diving deep this time. I think we always go deep, but especially deep this time. Oh, yeah. We go nothing but deep. <laughs> to... Uh, into the Doomiverse is a recent term you've come up with that I'm embracing. Yes, I, I like yes. Doomiverse. Back into the Doomiverse, Doom <laughs> Universe, Doomiverse, if you will, and we go a deep dive into the Doomiverse. That's right. Uh, we're waiting on Sony to get back to us about the uh, Into the Doomiverse uh, movie <laughs> with some uh, music from Post Malone and all that. Yeah, the whole nine yards. We're gonna do it up really big. Well, now it's gonna be Microsoft. We gotta switch that. Top oh, up. you're right. Well, Microsoft knows everything here. about this now. That's true. <laughs> so, but yeah, speaking of myths, <laughs> speaking of uh, things that might never happen, that reminds me of our uh, topic today. Is oh, do does it <laughs> a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> we wanted to break down uh, some of the mythology that powers a lot of the uh, stories in the Doom games, and the, the concept of story in doom games is uh, a little loose. Uh, they, they play fast and loose with their stories, but I think it's safer to say that the recent doom games have done a lot of world building based on myths. Oh, at least. oh yeah. They've been establishing so much that is, I think going to be concrete moving forward with the franchise for probably years to come. I mean, they've got a whole new world, a whole new sect of, uh, deity like, villains there's mm -hmm. just so much going on and i like where they kind of brought us which is to say to a more elevated height and including the new dlc saying that there is a tier above what we've seen with erdak and right. argentiner and hell even itself is the ancient gods yeah, it's very exciting to think about learning more about these ancient gods we've gotten uh, some references to the elemental wraiths, the uh, ancient titans, all kinds of uh, crazy concepts that I can't wait to get into. But what we wanted to talk about today was just kind of more specifically how the Doom games, especially the more recent ones, have really diverged from what we normally think of when it comes to mythology in popular media, specifically video games. I mean, mythology comes up in several very high-profile franchises. I, I mean, God of War would probably be the biggest example but it, you know mythology from real life cultures and real life history uh, comes Assassin's through creed diablo yeah, exactly um, yes it, it crops up here and there but i i think 
Doom does something a little bit different. It, it bends a few rules here and there, and that's one of the many things that make the stories and the world building behind Doom so unique, I think. Yeah, I feel like they just kind of take, you know, the bare essentials of deity mythos and then they just run with it. I mean, yeah. Doom has never been one to follow trends. They usually just make them. And with this, they really have done that again with kind of establishing both uh, God's and angels thing, but then turning it on its head, moving it to a completely different direction, mm. and then just almost completely flipping it to uh, what I would say is a way better story than what you'd find in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the Bible doesn't have nearly enough shotguns or chainsaws. Not, for no, me. no, no, no. Like, if of Jesus had a shotgun, I feel like there'd be a lot more seats in the pews there the, the the romans would not have been able to crucify him so easily oh, they, if, oh my god no that that would be so metal they could not even <laughs> do anything about it everything would have gone down so much more so much differently <laughs> so different but uh it's it is fun to think about what you know what could have been with some stories but what we what we did get with doom was like a uh, kind of a uh, just a twist on what we're what the normal conventions are i think uh myths were the backbone of so many early human stories and the storytelling form that it's very natural for us to latch onto these stories and uh, take them seriously. I think that's why myths have such power through, uh, through the centuries and through the millennia and why they still inspire so many stories today, including, including the doom games. But what's different about the doom games, I think uh, there are some commonly understood uh, conceptions about, mythological stories that uh at least the more recent doom games sort of steer away from and almost play with kind of tinker with and uh twist around a little bit yeah i really like how um just your typical hero uh not much unlike doom guy uh is you know fearless in the face of danger um filled with insurmountable strength like Hercules or Perseus. Um, it is someone who travels great distances, fights great foes, rights wrongs. But Doom Guy is, like we said, different. He is this silent protagonist. He's fighting for the greater good, but he is ultimately on a singular miss mission. It's not for a woman. It's not for his family. You don't really see anything other than him just going in almost methodically like a custodian cleaning right. up a terrible mess right he's like a force of nature not like your typical leading man or mythological figure who you know is you know described in certain human terms doom guy is uh not really described in human terms he's more like described in terms of like a cosmic force of destruction and power and what i'm really interested in talking about is that the the rules of mythology, I mean, they're not hard and fast rules. Not every single story based on myths kind of obeys them. But there are some tenets that uh, you rarely see uh, either bent or broken. Uh, one of the things I, I've noticed in a lot of, uh, I guess, especially video games based on mythology is that gods or demigods or titans or demons or whatever, whatever they are, they are that the the definitions rarely change characters rarely change their circumstances that's kind of a, a a common thread i've seen in a lot of mythological stories like uh zeus is a god 
He's an Olympian. He never changes. Kratos is a demigod. Zeus is his father. He never he never changes his uh, lineage. He never becomes he becomes a god later on, but only by you know killing and replacing another god. He still started out as a demigod. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would have to say like Doom Guy is definitely one of the rare instances where you see a mortal become a fully fledged god. Right. I mean, that doesn't really happen a lot and it's very much indicative of what Doom kind of presents of this outer world, heavy metal, crazy surreal thing where it's just this guy who's working on uh station way off from the action just a space marine mm -hmm. like literally who you would see on like you know alien the movie um just a big buff guy with a gun and then he turns out to be this huge giant god killing force i mean that that that's crazy yeah that's that's definitely something we see and that's you know we'll get into that in more detail soon but one other thing i've noticed is that mythological stories even just throughout all time really but especially early on they were kind of made as early moral lessons or life lessons or kind of ways to explain the unexplainable we, we talked about this earlier how you know you go far back enough there are stories to just explain you know where the sun goes at night and why the grass grows things like that i was just gonna say where the grass grows. sorry <laughs> i'm reading your mind <laughs> um and you know these are ways that, you know, early humans were able to kind of personify uh, things that both we could not explain or even comprehend, even in our own wildest imaginations and our concepts. Doom kind of goes more into power. It's not really no one we see is like, I am the god or goddess of time or uh, of this or that or the other they have no dominion mm. over a specific thing it's just power it is unbelievable power and i feel like it's it's something that i have seen before in greek myth way 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 before like primordial gods the greek titans uh chronos and um all the other giant titans back before humanity and even the earth was conceived it was just this power and uh dynamic of giving and taking and fighting and conflict and it was just an endless cycle of destruction and creation and there was nothing else there and i kind of feel like that's where we see a lot of the doom mythos uh kind of resonate with which is just all of this power and there's just you know going back and forth, heaven and hell. Argentineur is like maybe somewhat of a catalyst, but the real catalyst, of course, is Doom Guy, who kind of is coming in out of fucking nowhere and just setting up shop, and he's not backing down. Right. It's really interesting how the the Doom universe, I'm sorry, uh, I'll correct myself, the Doomiverse <laughs> does, you, does take you. a lot of... Um, does take a few cues from that concept in Greek mythology you pointed out that th there was once just utter chaos, just uh, primordial chaos um, among the Titans. And Doom definitely takes, uh, you know, some inspiration from that. But what's interesting is how it does, how it presents its mythical hero, the Doom guy. He's presented not as, not really as a, a hero who's going to solve all the problems. He's just 
coming in as a uh, a monkey wrench in the operations. He, he just kind of gums up the works. He disrupts the. He's like a sprinkler system in a fire right. in your office. Right. He's he's like a reaction to the primordial chaos, and it's 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 like it's funny how the Doomiverse kind of takes that inspiration and that direction from some established mythologies, but then just kind of veers off into a completely new direction. That's that's definitely what we're getting at. Exactly. It's not like he's always been there or just like, oh, I guess I got to right. clean up this mess. It's just like he was just a guy. And now he's just like, I need to keep cleaning up this mess. It keeps getting worse. I'm going to keep getting stronger so I can clean up the mess. Right. That's that's exactly, you know, that takes us to kind of our first main example of how exactly does the Doomiverse? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm obsessed with saying no, it. No, keep going. I love this. how exactly do the Doom games change the rules of mythology? And I think you just hit on it just now. Uh, the the Doom Slayer, who we know in 2016 and Eternal as this larger than life figure who does what mortals cannot do and does what gods are not willing to do. He just he's this alpha and omega of what is thought to be impossible. But he started out as just a regular schmuck on Mars or on Phobos. I mean, he's just a normal guy. And we kind of come back to that concept of, in old mythology, a man is just a man, a regular human mortal being. He may become a king. He may become, you know, uh, loved amongst the gods, but he will never be more than that. Right. He might become like a champion or an important hero, but he's never going to be more than a man. He's never going to he'll become he can become things that a man can become, but he doesn't become a god unless he was born as a demigod like uh, like Perseus or Hercules or Theseus. But Doom guy <laughs> he completely changes those rules. You know, starting off in the original Doom games, he survived a demon invasion when when no one else did basically almost no one else did not only did he survive he fought his way through hell multiple times and became their boogeyman basically and what normal human being does that except doom guy so it's he becomes this singular figure that in mythology and in, in you know most myths at least you don't really see that happen much yeah i mean i really like that though because it's Absolutely. Uh, i i feel like it's more of the times of it being kind of a self-made man who's just gonna smash through every single wall that there is possibly right. able to be conceived in the entirety of the universe and he's gonna get the job done because it's not because he's special or that he was born of righteous strength and will and of the gods he is um divinely spawned from Zeus, it is because he fought hard enough right. and he ripped and teared his way and then almost like earned his spot to become the Alpha Omega. Right. He, he didn't just win the genetic lottery of being a byproduct of when Zeus got horny once. He's just, he, exactly. he actually fought and killed and strangled and butchered and brutalized his way to power. And he earned it. Like, we, we, you hear the term a lot, oh, that person earned what they have. We mean that in the purest sense when we talk about the Doomslayer. He, he really earned what he has. And this is a rare example of a human being, like, like we mentioned, breaking through those barriers, like you, said, like you put it. He broke through, like you said, 
through all of the barriers that a normal mythological story might put in front of a human being, he just obliterates all of them. You see a trope, or at least you, you kind of notice a pattern sometimes, of humanity being completely at the mercy of you know, the demonic powers, however, whatever form they take, unless they appeal for assistance from on high. So there, there's kind of that um, mythological uh, rule that humans can't save themselves from evil. That's, that's kind of uh, the angel's job or God's job. But the slayer kind of comes along and refutes that. He, he sort of uh, comes along and demonstrates that not only can a, per- can a man kill demons by the truckload <laughs> he can go to where they live and terrorize them for centuries eons and he can gain the the kind of power that allows him to challenge the gods themselves and that's he may be the only exception there because right. he just does it there's no there there was no struggle uh at least internally right uh with that he had you know issues having enough power to do that um, and that was quickly rectified with the uh, divinity machine. But there was such an amazing uh, feeling that you got of just like this guy is here and he's ready and he's going to fuck shit up for the evil guys. Like just there is th- that's not the problem here. The problem is you need to get to the other side. And how many of these things do you need to rip apart? Right. How many demons does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Is the ultimate <laughs> We're gonna find out. <laughs> He's gonna, the sla- if anyone's gonna find out, it's the Slayer. But he, <laughs> he uh, yeah, he, he just kills hard enough, fights hard enough to become like the bane of all demon kind. And he, you could argue that he got help from a higher power in the form of the Divinity Machine, like you mentioned. But to get there, he still had to survive the first Doom games. He had to survive trips through hell it's like at that point it was almost a formality (laughs) of giving him that power seriously he was already there pretty much and because of that i mean he is still the origin of him as a man right he may be of at least god's status there are mortal beings on earth who kind of react to him in a very you know mythical way i don't know if there's like a church of the doomslayer there should be there is definitely (laughs) (laughs) there really really should be i'll start it myself there should be (laughs) yeah all right i'll 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 join you with that Um, (laughs) we're we're founding it right now that's what's happening (laughs) all right we're gonna take a quick break here but stick around we'll be right back hey lord party listeners my name's abu and i'm a producer here on the network I wanted to take a minute to tell you about Winds Howling, our podcast all about the Witcher TV show on Netflix. I don't know about you, but I love listening to podcasts about my favorite TV shows. It's great to listen to other people who are just as excited about a show as I am. These podcasts give me new perspective and a greater appreciation for the show I already enjoy. So that's where Winds Howling comes in. My co-host Brett and I love The Witcher, and we want Winds Howling to be your companion podcast to the Netflix show. We'll be diving deep into every single episode of the TV show and exploring the larger context of the story from the games and novels. And don't worry, the podcast is accessible to both longtime Witcher fans and newcomers. You can find Winds Howling on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everything in between. If you want to learn more, visit loreparty.com. I hope to see you on the path. 
There is uh, another person that I think sort of exemplifies some concept of the Doomiverse uh, turning some uh, mythological conceptions on there, you know, turning them around a little bit. Samuel Hayden is a uh, character who's shrouded in a lot of mystery. I mean, there's there's a lot we do know about him, but there's also a ton we don't know about him. And there is a sort of tenuous connection between Samuel Hayden, the character that we you know interact with in Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, and a figure referred to in the Codex by the name of Samuel Maker. And uh, it's really funny how Samuel Hayden's really one of the only other main characters in these games that we see, interact with, and hear from on a regular basis. So he actually uh, is a backbone of a lot of the things that happen in these games. But there's um, th- there are some clues that we can pick up that uh, suggest that Samuel Hayden, an otherwise human scientist who, I mean, he's, he's a cyborg when we meet him, there are clues that suggest he was once a member of the maker race, the angelic, advanced, uh, kind of benevolent, well, not entirely benevolent. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't like go that to, far. They like to think Sorry they about are. that. No, no, no. <laughs> they like to think they are, at least. But th- there, are, there are clues that uh, Samuel Hayden was a maker once. And it's kind of, you know, we're trying to, we're going to try and uh, parse that out a little bit. Yeah. So uh, as we see in like a flashback um, way into Doom Eternal, we see who we believe, who sounds like Samuel Hayden and AKA Samer Maker kind of hook Doomslayer up to the Divinity Machine and very deliberately gives him this, you know, unbelievable power that turns Doom Guy into Doom Slayer. Right. And it, it seems that it's very forbidden for this to be given to mortals or people who are you know not of the maker race and he's really the reason any of this is happening when you really think about it first of all he sets that into motion then we see a little bit further on he's beating the crap out of devils and demons alike until the demons kind of force him and trap him into a sarcophagus and oh this new guy on the New Earth, uh, Samuel Hayden just comes around, starts rooting around in hell portals, and then is able to bring this thing back because he's the only one who can be able to pass through uh, the portals on Mars to hell and brings back the sarcophagus. So it, it gets kind of suspicious how much Samuel Hayden knows. Like he, he, uh, he knows a very strange amount of information about hell and Erdak almost as if he's been there before. It's pretty uh kind of sus, not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not entirely clear like like Doom Eternal doesn't completely spoon-feed it to us how exactly Samurai aka the Seraphim as he's also referred to and Samuel Hayden are connected. It's I mean it's pretty uh heavily implied that they are the same person, but we don't know a whole lot about what happened in between. Like how the Seraphim maybe uh gave up his more immortality, became a human how that human form caught a disease of some kind and Samuel Hayden gave himself the cyborg body, how that cyborg body is built with maker technology. That's not entirely clear. There are a lot of blind spots, but it does tell us that at some point there was a transition from Samuel Maker, the immortal advanced alien being, and Samuel Hayden, the otherwise sort of human being. 
And I wonder if when he did kind of revert back to a mortal, he lost that kind of connection to his former self. Did he have memories of being Seraphim or was that all kind of lost? Because the way that Samuel Hayden kind of talks to the Doomslayer, it is very much as if it is, he is a real person. Um, I I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'd like to believe that. There, yeah, there are gaps to fill in, but it's it's definitely possible that somewhere in the in the transition, somewhere in the uh, missing periods of time we don't know about, Samuel Hayden lost some of his memories from when he was a maker. But the fact remains, that's kind of an inversion of roles that you don't see in a lot of other myths. I mean, oh yeah, it, it does happen sometimes. I, I for example, in Diablo, uh, the angel Tyrael, the archangel of justice, he deliberately becomes immortal. So it's not unheard of, but like we established earlier, in a lot of cases, in a lot of established mythologies, gods are gods. They don't become mortal. They can take a mortal form. They can take on the form of a human mortal, but they are still gods. So it's 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 interesting how Doom shows us that a maker can just make its, <laughs> if you pardon the pun, make itself <laughs> into something else like a human being who eventually has to make himself into a cyborg. It's hard to follow. No, I, but. I, I've also noticed here, uh, because they have been a little bit uh, diametrically opposed, Doomslayer and Seraphim look like they have just completely opposite um, paths where Doomslayer is a mortal who becomes a god and Seraphim is a god who becomes a mortal. And then I guess back to a god, but I mean, it's still kind of as Doomslayer is going up, he's going down, and it feels like he kind of set that in motion himself. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's almost like uh, they're just inversions of each other. It's you know what I mean. We're getting into speculation territory right now here, but you you made me think of something. What if when Samur Maker meets Doom Guy, maybe he gets the idea like, hey, this is a human being who is becoming godlike. I can engineer certain events to happen on earth if i take on the form of a human scientist he's giving me an idea it's almost like i'll just do the opposite of what the slayer's doing it's wow i'm just i'm not trying to blow anybody's mind right now or maybe i am but uh (laughs) you blew mine it's um my god there's like we said there's a lot of um directions that speculation can take on this um just again hopefully the dlc maybe shed some more light but I don't know. Maybe this was just a lawn con and he was just like, maybe I can just put this all this power into this sap. who's going to just do all the work for me. I don't have to lift a finger. That would be a very Hayden move. That's definitely <laughs> something he would do. But uh, but yeah, that, that's all to say that, you know, bringing this back home, it's, you know, this idea of a godlike being becoming a human and then becoming a cyborg is definitely a fresh take on what we normally think of when we experience mythology inspired media and fiction. So. Another example of a kind of a cool twist that the Doomiverse takes. So moving on to sort of our last example of how the Doom mythos sort of uh, plays with and teases and branches off from established mythological rules, I think we got to talk about the Icon of Sin. I really like the Icon of Sin. Um, Do you? That's kind of weird, man. for what it... What? <laughs> Really? <laughs> no, look, no, no, no. I mean, Please look, explain. He, he, vol- he volunteers on the weekends. It's very, like, he doesn't like to show it. 
Dude, I saw the icon no, of Sin um, building some habitat for humanity houses. What a guy. I never would have expected. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. He just so kind of like keeps it to himself. Um, the icon of Sin, of course, is a very terrible entity, but I like how it was written more so in Doom Eternal. I know that it's like a recurring villain, but I think the origins of the icon of Sin are probably the most mythos myths that we can ever be able to extrapolate from this franchise. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny how, you know, you mentioned it's a recurring villain. It, it's funny how in Doom 2, the Icon of Sin was like the final boss, but there wasn't... Just a JPEG, a bat. <laughs> basically, just a, <laughs> a giant goat head portrait on the wall that spit fire at you. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, exploration to what it was and where it came from. It was basically just a big bat. It was a big bat. It was a giant demon. But uh, when when it was brought back or sort of reimagined in Doom Eternal, it was a completely different take on what you would normally think of as a giant demon. In in old legends and old myths, uh, there's this pattern of monstrous demons, you know, titans. They're usually not created. They're usually just, a, you know, like a creature born out of hell or some sort of... Uh, mishap of nature they just they just kind of exist with little explanation but the icon of sin in doom eternal really inverts this trope by being sort of sort of an unholy fusion of demonic flesh and maker technology yeah so let me let me let me try and get this straight sure the icon of sin is is the heart of one of Argentiner's um night sentinel's sons yes uh whom the night sentinel in question uh wanted back from the demons who promised his son's soul back to him if he were to betray his fellow knights and the doomslayer which he did and trapped them all in hell but they did not give the son back to him unscathed and what was it they just they have his heart and have that to create a bigger bad through who is now called the betrayer's son's heart, which is then taken f like from hell and is in the possession of the con maker in Erdak, where then they make this ritual around it and the betrayer gave the doomslayer this dagger of blue <laughs> yeah which he stabbed the heart and then had the icon of sin sprout from that which was uncontrollable for any entity including the con maker to keep under their command and wreaked havoc upon the earth yeah you basically got it <laughs> is that right <laughs> pretty much that's the long and short of it yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds like something you would just fucking make up in a textbook of like norse mythology or something it, it sounds to me like but an acid also, trip like, that's not like any myth it also sounds like an before. acid trip it no it's it's like this cyberpunk acid trip surreal explanation which is also like i as i was trying to explain this to you i felt like i was trying to explain a dream to someone <laughs> you really were 
That's exactly what. But that's what like. happened. Yeah, no, that's that's basically it. They're, yeah. What, so the demons went back on a deal. Shocker. Who who knew? And they did not return a uh, an argent a sentinel's son back to him. Instead, they turned him into the icon of sin, basically. And I like that the, the heart is not the sun. Uh, sorry, the, our, the icon of sin is technically not the sun. It's just the heart. It, it's powered. And, it's powered by the tortured soul of the betrayer's son, right. as far as I understand it. Yes. And and then yeah. So when the slayer releases the the soul from the uh, icon's heart, it's no longer in control. Like the the makers were going to control it with the heart, but the slayer destroyed the heart, so that wasn't impossible anymore. All that to say that I mean, it's, I mean, I think that boils down to the icon of sin is not just another generic giant monster. There's so much that goes into its conception and its uh, place in the story. I mean, it, it's it's completely unheard of. It's crazy. It's it's like um, I, I guess there are shades something from heavy metal. It really is. It absolutely is. I guess there are shades of it where it kind of calls back to maybe the story of the Minotaur. It's kind of like uh, yeah. that, that child that was born looking like a bull. And so the, the king was like, that's not my that's not my child. Go hide it in the labyrinth kind of thing. It's there. It's funny. Like we come back to these ideas that the Doomiverse does pull some inspiration from some established myths. but And then it just takes it and then just pumps it full of acid. <laughs> And then then punts it over the field goal where it lands on a pile of nitroglycerin and blows up. And it's as some guy in the background is playing like just nasty guitar groups. Yeah, Mick Gordon is in like, the stands just blasting everyone's faces <laughs> off with with uh, with some with some gent riffs. Yeah, no, that's that's basically that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, I, I go to I go to that church <laughs> for sure. We're opening that church this Sunday. We're we're doing this, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. You know, bring it all back. It's um, you know, all powerful demons are not necessarily new to mythology. There, there have definitely been powerful evil creatures before, but I think we've, uh, as we've established, the icon of sin is a really big twist on that formula, and it's it, it's corrupting a mortal soul, trapping it in techno demon hybrid shell, that the the combination of which is capable of undoing all of creation simply by existing. I mean, that's just. That's just wild. That's out there, and that's out there in the left field. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I haven't read any ancient texts like that before. Yeah, I've never read a Bible like that. That's crazy. <laughs> I I really like the entire mythos of the Doomiverse because it is just so out there and crazy, and just literally just conceptually off the rails from the start, from beginning to end. For sure, I think it has a lot of base inspiration and content and that always needs to be there it's why we know you know eastern and western stories and uh mythos like we understand that if it didn't have a cohesive uh start point there we would never even think that it would make sense but what they do is then as long as you have that anchor point you can go anywhere you want. And they do. And they just go so many different places, um, make such interesting characters that are never static. They are constantly changing and forming. Their entire mythos is fluid. There's different timelines. Mm -hmm. Like 
that's what I believe is like a very 21st century, very modern mythos that we see here. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it is that some of the uh, more mainstream mythologies that almost everyone on some level is aware of, Doom sort of takes that as a framing device. I think that's well put that uh, a lot of the stuff wouldn't really add up. It wouldn't compute in our minds at all unless we had some of that as a basis. But then it just kind of builds off of that and defies gravity from there. It just kind of breaks all the rules from there. It's uh, it's a really interesting way of combining the old and the new and doing a completely different thing in the process. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. And check out our YouTube page for fun bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.